Welcome back. We hope you're coming back to Podventure Time. Hey, welcome. Ben, why don't you, uh, you know, we're, we're nine episodes in now, but I think that we can give a short little recap of what exactly it is we're doing here. Yeah, it's a grand experiment. We are, uh, we're watching the TV show Adventure Time, and Pat is a super fan, and he's uh, my best friend who is trying to convince me to like the show as much as he does, or at least just a little bit, I suppose. Um, so what we're doing is we are watching two episodes at a time, and then we talk about what we liked, what we didn't like. I kind of give an update on, on how I feel about the show in general, and, uh, and we talk about, uh, you know, whatever the hell else, heck else we want. Yeah, we, uh, I think we, we do a pretty deep dive into a cartoon, which, uh, I, I think is very fun. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm having a good time. I hope you're having a good time listening. Um, We've been we've been at it. We're past way past the halfway point in the first season of Adventure Time. That's true. Yeah, and uh, I have, I said I think I've steadily been liking the show more and more. I haven't gotten to. Uh, I don't think I've gotten to a point where I am like I consider myself like hooked. But uh, I have had some. There's been some good episodes that I've really liked, and there's some been episodes that I have. Uh, Really not liked and really hated, but I will let you know this time around how I feel, and uh, maybe we should get jumped right in. Yeah, let's do it. So uh, this week we're talking about episodes 15 and 16 yes. from season one, and uh, the ep- the first episode that we watched, episode 15, is called What is Life? Yeah, What is Life? Let's do a quick recap of the episode. Uh, we'll try to keep it brief, and then we'll jump into kind of how we felt about it, what we thought the major themes were, and any little details we, we thought were worth noting. So, uh, as usual, I think I'll take the first crack at talking about the, the plot. I'll recount what I remember the episode to be. And Fill it, us in. Yeah. So, what we have to this episode is uh, an exploration of what it means to create life. Um, the setup is that Finn and Jake are locked in a prank war that Jake instigates by bringing in a trash trash bag full of melted butter into the treehouse and just chucks it right at Finn's face and covers him in butter. And I I really really love the garbage bag full of butter. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. It's it's so utterly random and the I'm I can I think I can say with certainty that that prank has never been performed before <laughs> right it's a prank and and if if you performed that prank on me we would maybe not be friends for a little while because being covered in butter seems like a pretty serious deal oh god it is after i saw it happen in a cartoon i i had a phys, i had a visceral reaction to it i do not like i do not like the smell of butter like melted butter like, yeah like i don't like it on popcorn I just don't like it when butter is the main flavor in an item. So like butter cookies or anything like that, it just kind of turns my stomach to smell it, especially if you're like microwaving it and melting it. It just I can't handle it. So Oh yeah, so that's maybe they should have had a 
like a trigger warning for you before this episode. This, I will tell you right now that these two episodes, I I needed a trigger warning before both of them. We'll get into the other one, but this this the butter prank, uh, just it it made me throw up in my mouth a little bit. Yeah, and you know, I'll tell you, um, it, it reminded me actually. I I've experienced something similar actually. So um, I won't get into the long backstory, but one time at camp, uh, I go to a I used to go to a summer camp. Uh, where I worked and was a camper before that. Uh, you kind of wish you still went. Oh, I absolutely wish I still went. <laughs> if 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 I could somehow take off eight weeks, I would be go be a camp counselor in a second. All right. In after a certain course of events happened, I was covered. I had a a large, uh, like sort of food service size coffee tin, like a tin coffee can full of turkey grease that had been basted off of turkeys oh, uh, i had that poured over no, my head oh no 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 shut it down no nope. yeah um oh, there's a kind of a tradition at camp um where we have these two teams and the losing the leader of the losing team has to do all this humiliating stuff and there's been a tradition where you get like sort of kitchen leftovers or something gross from the kitchen yeah uh put on you but S- sort of like being uh, tar and feathered yeah Yes, but uh-huh. for whatever reason, like the only thing we could find was was turkey grease, and I'll say Oof. two things. One, Doctor Bronner's cuts through turkey grease like nothing else. I was very pleasantly surprised by that. Two, even though Doctor Bronner's cut through it real well, I walked around with the smell of turkey in my nose for a solid three days. Oh, oh my God. Like, it just, it did not leave. Yeah. I don't know if other people were smelling me, but, like, it was just, it, it was constantly smelling turkey. So, so, yeah, okay. So, anyway, back to the episode. No, I, no, I, no, I, no, too, no, now you've got me on a tangent, and I'm going to okay. have to tell you my, <laughs> a gross story of my own. I participated in a pie-eating contest once. I think it was actually in high school for some charity. Um, but yeah, I, I participated in that as well, and I beat El Pedio, who was a big football player. Yeah, beating a football player Pretty is proud solid. Of a solid play. So I felt, so let me, let me just ask you this. Is an apple pie an appropriate pie for a pie-eating contest? I have thoughts about this. Um, I've been in multiple pie-eating contests in my life. Uh-huh. Um, it depends on what you're going for. If you want someone to really have to work at it and have a pie-eating contest in the strictest sense of the term, I think apple is, is maybe appropriate. Uh, apple may be a little bit too tart, and the acid can start to burn your nose and your eyes. Yeah. Um, I tried it with a peach pie one time, uh, and that worked pretty well. So yeah. with a fruit pie, you have to take bites and chew. Right. The typical kind of pie eating contest pie is just pudding right it's uh, a cream pie and, or something yeah yeah and i am really good at pudding pies because i'm able just to sort of suck them up without like a, stopping like a pudding they just go Hoover. straight down yeah. the gullet sure uh so depending on what you're going for i'm not opposed to apple pies so but so whoever, pudding is much much more pleasant yeah so whoever put on this pie eating contest didn't have consistency of 
pies. I think they were donated pies, so they didn't have a ton of control. Oh, yeah, that's not fair at all. So it was me with an apple pie going up against cream pies and pudding pies. And so I'm at a disadvantage. Uh, But I ended up winning. I ended up dominating. Damn. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was was super proud of it. But in the same vein, I'm pretty sure I ingested some of the pie through my nose. Oh, yeah. That always happens. Yeah. And... Like having a whole apple slice kind of travel through your nose, <laughs> that is a sensation I don't want to have again anytime soon. And the same kind of thing, like I couldn't smell anything but like cinnamon apple for two to three days after that. It was something you can't, I could not get rid of. So in terms of your turkey smell for three days, I kind of have a sense of what you were going through. Different sensation, but like, not being able to smell anything but one thing for the rest of the for the rest of the week is is something I'm not uh, um, uh, something I've experienced for sure. <laughs> yeah, so I I think then that we can both identify with with Finn and the the yeah. misery uh, that he must be experiencing being yeah, covered sm- by a garbage bag full of uh, butter and yeah. I think uh, we can assume for the rest of this episode that Finn smelled nothing but butter. <laughs> right, that's horrifying to and, me, and we're just going to move past it. Yeah, and every time he smells butter, he gets motivated to prank Jake, which is maybe that the is why he was that jumping off point for the rest of the episode. Yeah, maybe the smell, maybe it is, maybe it was the smell that just made him so fanatical about pranking Jake. He was he was singularly focused in this episode. Um, so okay, so let's jump back into what we were talking about. So Finn has been buttered by Jake, and so he vows and he declares he has a very lengthy declaration to Jake. That he is, uh, he vows to avenge himself and prank him so hard. He's, I think, he says he is. Jake has awoken the prank demon that lives inside of Jake and lives inside of Finn, and that prank demon will be uh, avenging him and pranking Jake back so hard that he won't know how to handle it. So, uh, this is serious business. Yeah. So. Jake Jake says, meh, whatever, I'm going to go take a nap, which I think is great. It's just like gets him out of the episode, essentially. He says, I'm going to go take a day-long nap. And, uh, and so then he, he leaves, and Finn gets to work. Um, Finn constructs, constructs is a loose term, but he constructs a robot to avenge him. And, uh, and the robot's intention is... Uh, appropriately enough to fling pies at Jake for infinity, like to never stop flinging pies at Jake is the purpose of the robot. And uh, the, we have a little bit of like an assembly montage that occurs and he, uh, he's just, the assembly kind of just, it consists of Finn kind of like, just like slapping circuit boards on like taping them to microwaves and wheels and things like that. Yeah. Finn very clearly has no idea what he's doing. Yeah. Um, he, he has no idea how to build a robot. He knows what function he wants it to serve, but in terms of building it, it is not going to work until we get sort of a deus ex machina intervention. Exactly, and which is uh, in the form of a lightning bolt. Uh, he roll, he, he kind of he tries to assemble the robot. It does not work expectedly. He then t- chucks it out into the yard and a lightning bolt hits it and immediately brings it to life, a la, you know, Frankenstein, essentially. And 
it immediately comes to life and immediately recognizes Finn as his creator. And this is where the the uh, the main part of the episode comes in, which is essentially now Finn is the create is the god of this mildly functional robot, and it turn it, it, the 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 robot has to come to terms with its own existence as well as uh, come to terms with its relationship with its creator, and that's where this yeah, whole thing the, takes the, off. The the robot seems to understand that it doesn't work very well, right? <laughs> Because despite the lightning bolt, I think Finn's poor design is still uh, harming the robot. It It's not good at throwing pies, and it seems to only be able to spin in circles. And in fact, it asks Finn at one point, um, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and start calling calling the robot, whose name is Neptor. I'm going to go ahead and start using male pronouns just, just for fun. Okay. So uh, he is spinning around, and he, and he says to uh, Finn something to the effect of, do you enjoy watching me suffer, creator? Right, right. So Finn feels the pangs of of guilt of a of a uh, perhaps ill conceived creation plan, uh, and he just says, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna find a way to fix you, robot. We're gonna get you up to full power. We just need more lightning bolts. Is really what we need to get you up to full operating capacity." Makes sense. Yep. One bolt got you halfway there. Another lightning bolt will get you all the way there. And he thinks to himself, you know, where do I know that's a source of lightning bolts? Why? The Ice King's lair. The Ice King's palace. Uh, We've seen the Ice King hurl lightning bolts before, so let's go to his place and steal some. Almost akin to, I know that there's some Greek myth out there about stealing lightning bolts from Zeus. Oh, yeah. 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 So that's what we're going to do. We're going to go steal some lightning bolts from the Ice King. And uh, that's what we do. We head off, half, head off over there. I really liked one of my, my favorite gag of this whole episode is the flock of balloons that take yeah, them. Yeah, man, I love the pranking balloons. Yeah, so <laughs> they, the Finn's method of travel to the Ice King's palace is hanging on to just a bunch of party balloons that, can, that float him there. And there he's just chatting along with his, his creation, Neptor, and then all of a sudden just runs smack into the side of the Ice King's mountain. And he asks, he asks the, uh, the balloons, he said, did you guys smack me into that mountain on purpose? And when, at which point we learn all the balloons are sentient. And they all go, yeah. <laughs> they love to <laughs> prank. Which Yeah, uh, which I actually, great. I thought this episode was generally very funny throughout. I mm-hmm. thought there were a lot of good jokes and they happened very frequently. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the pranking balloons, I love the pranking balloons. Anyway, they get to the Ice King's palace and they get inside and uh, he, he, they're sneaking around looking for the lightning bolts and trying to stay out of the Ice King's way. We get to see the Ice King in all natural, I suppose, in his natural habitat when he's not in, uh, not in attack mode, just wandering around in his underwear talking to his friend Gunter the penguin. Play. Yeah, we get a real we get another good look into uh the bachelor life of Ice King. Yep. Uh Finn and Finn and the Neptor do a pretty good job of sneaking around for a while, but eventually get Which is another thing that I found hilarious is as they are sneaking, Neptor keeps saying out loud, "We're sneaking. We're sneaking." <laughs> right. Neptor is not great at sneaking around. He is he is narrating the sneaking. Uh I thought that was good too. He, so they sneak around. Uh, eventually, though, they get found out 
uh, and they end up on a wild chase through the palace. They're still looking for those lightning bolts, and but still being cha but being chased by the Ice King. They end up finding the chamber with the lightning bolts, but in the in a battle with the Ice King, those those lightning bolts get destroyed. But what happens instead is that the Ice King ends up zapping Nectar with his Ice King powers, which is essentially what they wanted to happen in the first place. So it's actually a they call it a success. Right, where, uh, but where you might are, think that, that lightning bolts yeah. are, are a weapon. Where you might think that lightning bolts are a weapon. Instead, the uh, lightning bolt makes Neptur considerably more powerful. He is now a fully functional pie-throwing robot. And there are unintended consequences from these lightning bolt, when the, from the lightning power directly from the Ice King. Um, what, we, what we learn is that... Uh, all of a sudden, right after being zapped by the Ice King, Neptur starts exhibiting a mentality that is similar to the Ice King in that he starts talking about wanting to capture princesses, and uh, it's, it's worrisome to Finn to hear him say those things, and he tries to get him out of there as fast as possible, he tries to get Neptur out of the Ice King's palace as fast as possible by jumping out of the window to who he thinks are his waiting bunch of balloons, but the waiting <laughs> balloons pull an awesome prank on him by just going like, whoop, out of the way, and he fall, He starts falling. But, uh, so, the, uh, turns out, though, there was a few other balloons waiting below to catch him. Uh, they, would, they didn't let him fall to his death, but they did prank him good. Which oh, I thought, yeah, they did. Yeah. And my favorite joke of the whole episode comes right after that. The balloons take them home, back to their treehouse, and Finn releases them and says, uh, your blood oath is fulfilled. <laughs> uh, I also but, really loved that. Like that he had, and, and the balloons go, we're free, we're free to die. <laughs> yeah, we have no indication whatsoever of what Finn did for the balloons or what the balloons did to Finn, but... Evidently, they owed him a blood oath, and so he'd been using them for we don't know how long. And then <laughs> right. finally, he's released, like yeah. like Han Solo telling Chewbacca he can go back to his home world. Right. Finn lets the balloons go up into the mesosphere and eventually pop. Right. It's fantastic. I thought that was the best joke of the whole episode. But the Ice King has followed them back, and then... Uh, the Ice King demands, uh, I guess demands, is that the right way? He sort of like, uh, the Ice King comes back and the Ice King has recognized that the, the little robot, Neptur, is has partially become, has, has, has acquired some of the Ice King's personal cellular makeup because he got hit by the magic. And, uh, and he, the Ice King then sees an opportunity to steal this entity away from Finn, uh, and, and for himself, a companion of his own, a son. He basically starts, he says even, he calls him Sonny. Sonny, you're, you're, uh, I created you. And then we end, what we end up having is a, uh, is sort of a like biological father, stepfather kind of battle before the love of Neptur. Is that accurate to call it that? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. Both of, so, Ice King clearly wants to be Neptur's father. Yeah. Finn, I think, is more in the creator mode. Uh, Neptur is more of a tool for Finn. But Ice King, you know, who 
always wants to be always wants to get married to a princess. It, I'm I I kind of think that part of Ice King's grand plan is also to have children. And yeah. so when uh when when he gives some degree of life to Neptune, he identifies him as his son. Mm-hmm. And so we we have a conflict now between Finn and Jake over who is going to get Neptune. Um and I actually think it's it's interesting here because there's a little bit of action and violence between Finn and Ice King, but mostly they solve this problem by talking it out. Yeah. Um, and so Ice King, you know, I don't think it's any secret that he is a huge character who shows up throughout the series. And this is a turning point in their relationship. You know, they're not interested in just beating each other up anymore. Uh, they start to relate to each other on a, I don't know, yeah, on a human level. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, uh, uh, like, a ridiculous, for, like, a ridiculous reason, of course. Um, they are, they set up, essentially, like, the old, which person is the pet going to go to? Like, two people who have claim to a dog, and they put the dog in the middle, and then they start calling its name, and whoever the dog ends up going to will be the supposed owner of the dog. They do the same with Neptune. They put him in the middle, and they start calling him, kind of calling to him, and telling him, you know, that they love him and that they want to spend time with him, and uh, they let him choose which one he's going to go with. Um, but I just thought it was a it was a it was a fascinating little fascinating little thing that the that the show did here because I think it was uh, a really interesting way to look at get into because you learn more about the ice king and finn than you do about nectar really in this scenario yes uh and i thought it was i thought it was cool uh nectar ends up choosing he, he thinks he at first you think he's chosen the ice king but what he's really done is he's chosen to prank the ice king by throwing a pie at him and he ends up choosing finn and i think we can talk about some of the uh elements of the episode in a bit but we can just finish up on the plot which is Finn, he chooses Finn, he chooses to stay with Finn and prank Jake. It's what he was created for anyway in the first place is kind of how he explains it. And he goes, and then they, they go off happily together into the treehouse, and you hear Finn wake up Jake, and then you just hear the sound effects of pie after pie hitting Jake in the face. And, and then the Ice King goes off. Uh, the Ice King gets, actually gets knocked out, I think, during the course of the, during the, course of the uh, sort of battle over Neptune. And we kind of zoom into, this is like the, a very poignant end of the episode. Yes, uh, it is. It was, we, the, it's the Ice King. We see what he's looking, what he sees in his mind while he's knocked out, while he's unconscious. And he's sitting on a hillside with Nectar as the sun, set, the sun is setting. Uh, and Nectar says to him, Father, should we go capture a princess? And, and the Ice King says, let's just sit here a little while longer, son. And that's where, yeah. they, and that's where they close. And I tell you what, I don't know if it's just because I'm a dad, but like, oh man, like that, I didn't cry, but I certainly didn't not cry at that. Yeah, yeah, I I thought it was wonderful, and I think it it this, like you said, you know, in the battle over Nectar, where they set it up so that he's going to choose, but we learn more about Finn and the Ice King in this episode than we do our new character Nectar and. Um, Ice King 
isn't just a mindless villain who's out catching princesses for the sake of catching princesses. He seems to have uh, sort of dreams about what he wants to do with his life. And one of them is evidently to have a son. And so when we see Ice King, you know, decide to forego catching princesses just to sit there with his son and watch the sunset... All of a sudden, we've got a completely new character on our hands, I think. I agree. I agree. The Ice King, it struck me, he's sort of that, like, there's, like, the stereotypical nice guy. Like, the guy the guy who sees himself as, like, a savior to women in some cases. Or he sees himself, like, he's the kind of guy who's always saying, like, why do girls just go out with jerks when there's like perfectly good guys like me out there who can, who would treat them right. And with respect, but then like whenever, but as soon as like that little, uh, view of themselves gets chipped away out in any way, like if a woman says, if the woman like rejects them or, or says something like, ah, you're just not my type. Then, then that guy like flips out, turns into a mon, like just says, Oh, then women are all just crazy crazy weirdos or you know uses profanity or something that's just the way that ice king comes across to me as like this he's got this view of himself that uh is like actually he thinks he's like a great guy and if anything happens to chip away at that psyche he goes psychotic and it's uh it's something that i think it's like a person that i think exists in this world it's not he's not like super He's obviously a cartoon, but like I think it's the personality that either the writers may have come across or that they just kind of amalgamated from other people they've met. Yeah, absolutely. I think that much more so than being a villain, he's just a jerk. Yeah. He's an immature guy, yeah. an immature sociopath yeah. who cannot control himself, does not understand the 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 consequences that his actions and words have on other people. And he doesn't understand that other people have feelings. Yeah. So his plan is to go grab a princess, not understanding that princesses don't want to be kidnapped. And when that doesn't go well, he flips out. He the his his world is is not the way that he wants it to be, and he has no tools to deal with that other than yelling and shooting ice and lightning bolts. Indeed. So all of his villainous actions are coming from a place of, you know, a, a fairly traditional, I think, dream of having a, a wife and a child. Yeah, and insecurities. Yeah, uh, insecu- yes, yeah, exactly. It's uh, and and to see him at his most vulnerable, I think, or most revealing his true desire in this episode of just having a family, it made him even. It made him a pitiful, a pitiful character. He's no longer a villain, but he's he's no longer someone to be feared, but someone to be pitied. Uh, is Pitiful what this... is probably the number one word to use to describe Ice King. Yep. So, uh, I thought this was a great episode. I liked it a lot. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it. it I'll, I'll say that I thought it was gonna. It started out slow. It sounded. It started out like, oh god, it's sort of like a, a Finn and Jake, Finn and Jake prank episode, and I wasn't sure if it was just gonna be another like, series of sight gags or what. But um, as soon as as soon as Nectar called Finn creator, I knew I was like, oh no, we're gonna be in, we're in for something good this time. 
I thought that was, I was, I was, I was right there with them as, as soon as that happened. Yeah, there's a lot going on in this episode, and and one thing that I think is really interesting about it is Jake is not involved. Yeah, Jake starts off the episode and he kind of instigates Finn's. Uh, he's he's a plot device and nothing more. Yeah. Right, and then he just says, I'm going to go nap, and he sleeps for the rest of the day. And I think this is the first episode where we see Finn out in the world without Jake. And so that, I think, is uh, another way that that we're enabled to uh, learn more about Finn as a character. Yeah. Um, It turns out that Finn and Jake are separate people. They're best friends, but they are able to go out into the world and have feelings and wants and desires and plans of their own. So I think separating Finn and Jake is a huge step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good one. I, I'm going to give yeah. it a thumb up. I'm going to give it a thumbs up on this one. I will say I am, I am more a fan of the show because of this episode than I was before it. Great. Yeah, I love that episode as well. All right, cool. Let's talk about the next one. Uh, episode yeah. 16, is that what we're on now? Yeah, episode 16 is called Ocean of Fear. Ocean of Fear. So let's chat about it. Uh, I said before that this also re- should have had a trigger warning for me. Um, but before we get to that, the show opens with a, uh, what is a sort of, it's words written on screen. It's sort of like a prophecy, I suppose. Like it's a sort of like one of these like, opens with just like prophetic words that are going to apply somehow to the episode. And it's all about fear that fear lives in the deepest, darkest parts of a, of a man. And yeah. I, it, it completely like breaks up the usual format of yeah. the episode. You know, plenty of TV shows will start with a quote like that or something, yeah. but adventure time never has. And this is something that we'll see as we go on. They are not afraid to change up the format of the show. They, you know, a lot of time, a lot of the episodes have a formula that they follow, but they're never afraid to stray from that. And I think that's where the show can get more adult, um, because I think kids, when they watch a cartoon, they want to know what's going to happen before the show starts. Yeah. And when you start kind of messing with the the whole format of the of the episodes, I think that that is something that we can appreciate more than a child could. Yeah. I agree. That's a that's an apt description. It's um, it's a it's a new kind of way they open the episode. So I I immediately they they have a quote and then they attribute the quote to someone. I think the Pat is named Pat McHale. I think is the name that they attribute it to. I immediately yeah, that had, sounds right. I immediately had to look it up. It's just a writer on the show. Like it's someone whoever wrote that. <laughs> they just attribute it to him. Like, oh, nice. As if it's as if there was like some McHale out there who. Uh, who had said this like in a very prophetic or you know prophetic way, but it's clearly yeah, they... it's written in sort of a gothic font. Yeah, and it's read by a deep voiced, sort of scary sounding yeah. voice actor. I think the voice and actor. It, it seems it... like it was probably written in the 1850s, so that's yeah. hilarious. That yeah, it's just a writer from the show. It, it's like literally they just took the script and they just like qu- quoted the script essentially, <laughs> as if it were uh, some sort of relic text. But uh, the voice actor. I didn't do a check on this, and maybe a listener can fact check me on this. I'm pretty sure the voice actor is the the evil guy from the first Highlander movie, the Crawl or the Krell or whatever. Whoever that cra- that crazy dude from the very first Highlander movie is, that like is the, in the he's the final boss in the in the Highlander movie. Uh, I think it's his. I think it's him. 
I for whatever right. for whatever reason hit the voice like triggered a memory in me and I was like ooh I know I've heard this voice before. Uh, so anyway, we can well maybe I'll double check it or maybe someone can double check it for me. Um, the um, but anyway, let's get past the, the this. Yeah. So, so all, all we've we talked have, about is the first we discussed the first the, two seconds of the episode so yeah, far. <laughs> yeah. Anywho, uh, so we get to the episode. It is um, for unknown reasons. Finn and Jake come bursting out of the forest, chasing after a giant newt, who has, uh, as we learn, has stolen some boots. And we end up with a, uh, a basically like a Dr. Seuss series of gags where uh, Finn and Jake say, well, you know, the price for stealing boots is you get poots on newts, which is to say they fart on him. And so they have been chasing him around farting on him. And the newt is simply saying, like, stop farting on me. And the newt is a giant sort of dragon sized newt. And he jumps into the ocean to get away from them. And Jake immediately jumps in after him to try to fart on him. And Finn starts in as well, but then all of a sudden the ocean takes a turn and turns in his eyes into a vicious red uh, sloshing and uh, evil spot. And Finn cannot move forward. He cannot go into the ocean. As much as he wants to, he wants to go in, but he cannot. And uh, even though Jake's in there and... (laughs) Putting away on this giant newt. Uh, and having a great time doing it. Yeah. Finn can't get in, and he has a panic attack, falls down on the sand, and then something comes out of him, comes out of his gut, out of his belly button, really. And it's a giant black phantom, phantasm of a thing. Uh, evil, uh, evil for sure. And it turns out that this is the manifestation of Finn's fear of the ocean. Which is a which is a, a surprise to Finn. Finn didn't know he was afraid of the ocean, and he says, "Like I'm not afraid of lakes or rivers or ponds or anything. How could I be afraid of the ocean?" Well, he just is. Yeah, I don't think Finn has ever been afraid of anything before. Yeah, we've never certainly not that we've seen. He's never expressed fear in this way, and he is paralyzed by this fear of the ocean. He can't go in, so he has a. I don't know, is it existential? Is that the right word? I don't know. He has a conversation with his own fear, essentially, telling him, telling the fear, no, this can't be right. I'm a hero. Heroes aren't afraid of anything, so it's impossible that I'm afraid of the ocean. Right. So so Finn's got this very unnuanced view of what it means to be a hero, and I think it's kind of like... Uh, his his belief that he's pure in the City of Thieves episode, mm-hmm. he thinks that if he is going to be a hero, then he literally cannot be afraid of anything. And so, once again, his identity, the thing that he holds most dear, being a hero, is threatened because heroes don't get scared, but he is terrified of the ocean. Yep. Well, the the fear the the fear phantasm simply laughs in his face and disappears back into his belly. At which point Jake reappears. He has done Putin on the newt, and he comes back to laugh with Finn. And but then he notices that Finn is not right. He's there's something wrong, and Finn reveals to him that he's afraid of the ocean, and he would like Jake's help to overcome his fear. And F- Jake, of course, uh, Jake Jake says, "Sure, no, why not?" He's not super. He's not super thrilled about the idea, but he's also willing to help his friend. And he uh, so they go through a series of 
Jake decides to go take him through a series of, I guess, a, a five-step program to make him. Well, first, first he calls it a three-step program. Right. We, we learn later that the the, uh, the three steps aren't aren't good enough. I I need to to point out a joke that I really love here. Oh, okay. um, when when Finn is just terrified of the ocean, Jake kind of takes a look at him and sees just how scared he is and says, "Man, you are you are really scared of the ocean." We should start a business of being scared of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> like we have this abundant resource. How are we going to monetize it? I forgot about that. Yeah, that was a good gag. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so we, we get into this sort of, I don't know, it's like a training montage, but it's, it's, it's not fa- We're not fast forwarding through it, but it's, it's Jake taking him through, taking Finn through the three steps of how to become less afraid of the ocean. The first of which is to rip, a, like, make Finn think that he's safe asleep in his treehouse, and then reveal, in fact, that he, he is floating on his bed in the middle of the ocean. Yeah this this process is a very very aggressive process. Yes, it is. Uh, step one is float in the ocean on your bed, tied to your bed. Step two is untie yourself from the bed. At which point. The bed falls away, and now you're just literally in a sleeping bag floating in the ocean. And step three is Jake pushes you under the water with his magic jowls, <laughs> which is uh, I'm not sure I'm not sure he thought through this this overcoming the fear process, but it does not work. Jake, Finn, yeah, what's the is it is it aversion therapy? Is that the term like the yeah. psychological term? Yeah, uh, yeah. So I. I, I have a, a hunch about what it was about this that that triggered you, but uh, it, it would be like uh, someone trying to cure my fear of spiders, which is a, a horrible phobia, by pouring tarantulas all over me or something. Right, exactly. It's extremely aggressive. You are going to get into the ocean, and you're going to learn that it's fine. Right. But uh, it, Finn does not does not do well. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, I should have, I, I mentioned the trigger warning. I don't like the ocean at all. I don't like it. I don't like going in it. I, it, I'm not afraid of it, but given the choice, I don't want to be in it. I would rather be oh, in a pool. Oh, okay. I would rather be in a pool. Uh. Yeah, that's fair. I, so, I, I didn't know that, that you weren't a fan of the ocean. I, I thought that we were going to get into, uh, just the way that I'm scared of spiders. I hope I'm not putting you on blast here on national podcast, but, uh, you are scared of birds. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate birds. And so let me now that I now I have to clarify. I don't know that I'm I'm not afraid of all birds. I'm actually only afraid of little ones, like the ones like raptors, like eagles and hawks. I'm actually not afraid of those. And it, it's it's I don't trust birds. I don't think that they <laughs> I don't think that they have the smarts to not fly right into my face. And uh, and it, like pigeons. Ugh. And just little birds, I'm always just, I always assume they're going to fly right into my face and like peck my eyes out or something. But big birds, <laughs> big giant birds, like hawks and things, I actually don't care about those. Like I, I have a respect for those birds and I think, I'm like, you know what? You know what you're after, raptor. Yeah, I get it. You know what you're I after. Get it. I don't look like a mouse or a bunny. 
Yeah, they're, they're kind of too majestic to be afraid of, but I can see where the little darting birds would yeah. would cause fear. Were you in my fifth grade class with Miss Hudson where the bird came in through yeah. the window? Oh, yeah. I've been in several classrooms where a bird came in through the window, <laughs> and it, it, I am like immediately out of there. So you're it's it's basically uh, nature nature's jowls forcing your your head under the water of of birds actually making it inside yeah oh like if a bird flew into my house i'd have to move like it would just (laughs) it'd just be over i wouldn't be able to deal with getting it out of there yeah so anyway back to the episode i uh i thought the uh jake's training meant jake's training aversion therapy here is ill-conceived and equally uh uh ill you know ineffective Finn freaks out and ends up punching Jake uh, repeatedly, like basically using Jake as a life raft, but also punching him at the same time. And then Finn uh, manages to get to a shore and uh, Jake just says like, you know what? I don't think I want to help you anymore. At least if you're going to keep punching me, I don't want to keep helping you. And uh, Finn insists, Finn says, no, I've got to overcome this fear. And so Jake finally says, fine, stop punching me and I'll help you. And, uh, so then the, he moves on to steps four and five, which he reveals existed all along. He's just a bad counter. And he steps four and five are, what is four? Five is the submarine, but what's step four? I can't remember now. Yeah, I don't remember either. All right, fine. So we'll move on. Step five is, is yeah, basically... they end up in a submarine. We know going, that much. Going underwater. That's step five. It's just experiencing the majesty of the ocean from the safety of a submarine. And uh, Finn is doing okay. And he's kind of kind of starting to dig the ocean, seeing just these beautiful, what's beautiful, you know, just things you see under there, basically scuba now, diving. Now, I gotta, I have to ask you about this. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a typical ocean that that they're that they're floating through. Those are they're actually like uh, ruins of what appear to be sort of modern buildings. Did you notice that? Yeah, and there's like giant books along the sea yeah. floor. Yeah. So I, I actually, uh, as I was watching that, wondered if that had any effect on your working theory that okay. uh, Finn is dreaming all of this. Yeah, so I didn't think about it until just now, but hell yeah. Oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to incorporate that right now on the spot. Uh, that, is, those are, that is definitely, I could see that being a a metaphor for a child's room, a floor of a child's room, like Lego buildings and books strewn about, like books that he had just dropped after reading and falling asleep. And that's just what his floor looks like right now. It's just like some some block towers he's built or some Lego towers he's built and a few books laying around. The so, so Finn is just taking his environment and uh, yeah. through his dream, put it into the ocean. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm keeping that one for sure thank you all right you're on record yep and uh i'm i'm building this this is happening so anyway so we uh, (laughs) thank you for thank you for allowing me to digress the aversion therapy starts to work a little bit with steve finn starting to kind of open up to the idea of the ocean being beautiful and not something to be afraid of but then jake ill-advisedly decides well now that you're feeling a little bit better about the ocean let's just go dive into the deep dark abyss in front of us and uh, and see what's at the bottom of it. At which point, Finn immediately reverts back into paranoia um, and freaks out, knocks Jake from the controls of the submarine, 
panics trying to bring the submarine back up and essentially like makes he fire apparently the submarine had a few torpedoes as well and he ends up firing a couple torpedoes right. which knock over a few of these underwater buildings and crash into the submarine which knocks some holes into it and it starts filling up with water and so uh now they're in a predicament and jake says it's cool don't worry just put on these suits these scuba suits uh or like deep sea diving suits essentially and uh, you'll be fine. Finn panics, puts his on, and Jake says, whatever you do, don't pull, I think, like, the panic. The panic. Yeah, don't pull the emergency cord. Don't pull the emergency cord, which then Finn just goes, ah, and pulls it. And it's a big, it inflates the suit and brings him to the surface. But in the, but in the same time, it, it knocks Jake over and knocks Jake into the side of the submarine, which knocks him unconscious. And Jake begins to float to the bottom or sink to the bottom of the ocean unconscious. Yeah, so when when Finn uh pulls the cord his suit inflates to such a great size that it actually kind of splits the submarine in half. I yeah. I suppose the submarine had already been weakened, but uh right. the submarine basically is no more yeah. and Finn who is wearing a suit full of air floats to the surface and Jake who has been knocked unconscious sinks into into uh, the, the abyss, abyss that yeah. we uh, that we saw earlier. So then we come to the the great dilemma, which is of course now Finn has to either face his fear to save his friend, or succumb to his fear and let his friend die. Yep. So Jake is in danger, yep. and Finn yep. is going to respond. But this is the first time where we're like, what what is Finn going to do? Yeah. He uh you know, this is something that he is legitimately afraid of that he does not believe that he can do. That's right. And the and the phantom comes back, the fa- the fear phantasm comes back to taunt him essentially, to tell him you're never going to do it. Your body will never allow you to your your scared body will never allow you to jump back into the water and save your friend. And in in these words Finn finds his loophole. And he says, fine, if my body won't allow me, then I've got only one choice. And he finds a pipe wrench somehow and knocks himself unconscious and basically says, like, well, if I can't do it consciously, if I can't go underwater consciously, I'll do it unconsciously. And so he knocks himself unconscious and uh, sinks to the bottom. I love this where the, 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 the phantom, you know, says you're you're exactly right. He says your your body won't let you do it. And Finn says, okay, well, then I'm just going to disable my body. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really interesting thought to consider whether and how fear affects your mind and fear affects your body. And quite frankly, if Finn is able to trick his body into doing something, I wonder if he was ever really afraid in the first place. To me, fear is something that exists in your mind you can have a physical reaction to it but that's just because your brain's shooting out various chemicals yeah uh but but this seems to take the position that your your body is really what what causes you to i I suppose it's that your body disables you when you are afraid and so if you can keep your body from causing those physical effects then then you can go ahead and conquer your fear. Yeah, I I see where you're going with it, but I I think they just I think I think they're just bad at describing what's going on, frankly. I think cuz like the solution if if your body was the problem, then like the solution would be like binding your limbs or something. 
but his solution is to knock himself. His his solution is to disable his brain, not to disable yeah, his true. body. Right. So I think they just yeah. I actually didn't remember that he knocked himself unconscious. I I thought he used the wrench as a weight to pull no, him down, like give no. himself no choice he, but to sink. He just whacks uh, him. He just whack. He just wangs himself on the head and knocks gotcha. himself unconscious. Yeah. So it's it is still like a a muscle control situation. Like that fear is fear is overriding his muscle control is what's happening. And so he decides, okay, I'm just going to disable my brain so that. Uh, it doesn't dis- so that my muscles won't prevent prevent me from going in the water. So he does. So so either way though, he gets into he gets underwater, and he sinks to the bottom, and he sinks all the way down to where Jake is, and then they both sort of awaken from being unconscious, and uh, and Jake says, "Oh man, you're thanks, man. You you did it. You're at the bottom of the ocean, and uh, you, you conquered beat your fear. Yeah, you conquered your fear. At which point Finn goes." Finn freaks out. Like he, all of his fear returns. And Jake says, okay, fine, I'll get us to the top. And Jake uses his emergency cord and uh, holds on to Finn and they float to the top using his, his, uh, his suit. And they get out of the water onto the beach. And Finn is just, he's just distraught because he hasn't really conquered his fear. And he's, you know, as we said before, it's, it's, it's eating away at his identity as being a hero. And one a hero because that, heroes are not afraid of anything. Right. We see a return of the phantasm, which is surprising to Jake. Jake's like, "Whoa, that dude just shot out of your belly button!" Um, and uh, the phantasm is there, still taunting Finn. You're never going to get rid of this fear. But then something else comes out of his belly button, which is a limo, uh, like a like a ghost limo full of three other ghosts, which appear to be like wise men or wise kings riding in a limo. And I didn't, I couldn't quite get who they were, or like what they were supposed to represent, other than just sort of wise men, I suppose. I guess. Yeah, they are the they are the characters that teach us the lesson. They are the lesson teachers. Yeah, they live inside of Finn's gut, and uh, and they explain to Finn that it is truly, it is the it is the fear that a hero has. It is the flaws that define a hero, that he is able to carry on despite his flaws or his or her flaws. That is what makes a true hero. And therefore, the fact that he has fear does not disqualify him from being a hero. In fact, he is still the greatest hero in the land of Ooh. So this restores, this restores Finn's faith in himself, and he is able to conquer his fear or at least uh, accept his fear which removes any power from the phantasm. And the phantasm is, is he says, you're going to just have to live in my gut. And something like your flaw phantom is your flaw is that uh, you're just a phantom that is going to smell like my gut is basically what right. It is. And then all of the things that had once come out of his belly button return to his belly button and Finn's faith in himself is restored. And we hit the end of hit the end of the episode. Yeah, I think it's a huge lesson that Finn learned that mm-hmm. you can have a flaw and still be a hero. Yeah. He sort of learned that you can steal and be forgiven and still be a hero, but here yeah. he's really confronting this thing that I mean, I don't think that he beats the fear. He just no, he, identifies he it. Himself. He accepts yes, his own and accepts flaws. It. Yeah. I I had a uh, as I, as we were talking about it, I started having when I said like, who are these guys that are teaching the lesson? You're just like, they're the guys that teach the lessons. I had this flashback to like 
they are the Sergeant Slaughter of the G.I. Joe episodes of our youth. Just like <laughs> stepping in and just heavy-handedly explaining what the moral of the story is to, yes. to, to wrap up the episode. And this actually, this is a great point. This is a great transition for me to talk about something that I really, I had a strong realization this week. Oh, yeah. Uh, about what about some of the things that I really like about the show. Okay. Two things. You said um at the beginning of the episode you said they're chasing this newt for some unknown reason. We find out that it's boots, but there's no context whatsoever. Right. And to me contextless humor is very very funny. I love the fact that anything can happen and we don't even need to bother with figuring out why. The other thing that I really like is its expository dialogue. I have always watched it as sort of escapist television um, to help me kind of de-stress and escape the world. And sometimes when a character just shows up and teaches you a lesson, that is very comforting. Sure. So... You know, and they're and they're short episodes, so we have all of these things that happen with no context, which I find very funny. And then there's a lot of expository dialogue, so that we don't have to think too hard about what we're supposed to get out of the episode. And it just kind of hit me this week that those are two things that I really, really love about the show. All right. Well, maybe I'll have to. I think the construct of our podcast forces me. It doesn't allow me to watch the show as escapism. Like, I have to watch the episodes, right? right? So I can't... It's, it's, a, it's always a deliberate choice for me, and it's always something that's like... It's, it's not a... It's, the chore is the wrong word, but like it's a, it's a duty I have to you and to the show that I have to watch them. So we've revealed that maybe we've constructed an experiment that, uh, that doesn't replicate the ideal watching conditions for this show. Yeah, that may be true. And, um, you know, when, when I watch these episodes for the show, I'm taking notes and really paying close attention. So I lose the escapist, um, element of it as well. Yeah. Uh, but that's a, that's a, it's a different thing because I've escaped into these episodes and now I'm kind of drilling down and and being interested in what's actually happening. So what I'll try to do this week is I'll try to find a time when I'm maybe extra stressed or something, and I will make a note to then I'll use the show to to de-stress and see what how yeah, see man, how my just, see how my perception of it changes because just I think disappear into the world of who and yeah. forget about everything else. <laughs> so I I think because uh, I think your description of like these contextless jokes. Um, I agree. I, I see that they are funny. Like I can like intellectually look at them and go, yeah, that's a, that, yeah, that's funny, but I'm not laughing. I'm just going like, yeah, yeah. I see that that's a joke. Yeah. I think I that I enjoy, yeah. like we basically see the punchline and I think I enjoy being able to make up the, the premise and the setup. Yeah. I like it. I think I just like it less than you. I think I just, that's a, I think that's all yep. it is. I, yeah, that's I, fair. I mean, it's it, a, the part it's of a... it I did like was the, I liked the Dr. Seussian part of it where they like make it like now it's like a rhyming thing. And actually the rhyming thing came back later in the episode. We kind of forgot about it, but like they, several times this episode, they speak in rhymes only. Like that was part of the aversion therapy for a little while. 
Yeah, well, for Jake says, if I'm going to help you, if I'm going to keep helping you, you have to promise to stop punching me, and you also have to promise to speak in rhymes. Yeah, well, and at the, you know, of course, in the whole beginning of the episode is the punishment. Putting on newts. Yeah, putting on newts is the punishment for stealing boots. So the whole, there's a rhyme theme going on. So anyway, I actually like that. I thought like that was just a nice little addition to what was essentially a nonsense gag to open the show. And so that kind of added like, it added a layer to it that it gives us a good joke as well, where uh, yeah. Finn starts to freak out in the submarine and he says, turn around, turn around. Cause he's panicking. And Jake looks at him and says, saying turn around twice doesn't count as a rhyme, dude. That's right. That's right. You can't rhyme it. A word with itself. All right. Well, anyway, that's, that's interesting. Like, I'm glad you mentioned that. That's how you perceive the episode. I, it gives me a lot of, uh, it gives me a new, pers- a new way to try and watch the show next time. See if I can make it escapism for myself. So where, where does this, uh, where's this episode rank? Where did it move you? Um, I, this one's a neutral one for me. I like the first one a lot more. This one I felt was okay. It, it clearly like the moral, the moral of, uh, of like, you don't have to, you, a hero's going to have fears and heroes can have flaws. I've, uh, I've seen that episode before. I've seen other shows do that episode. So it was like a trope for me. And I, I, yeah. I it was just sort of like a, yeah, all right, cool. All right, I know what you're up to here. Uh, but no no real like highs or lows for me. Yeah, I, I think that uh, my attachment to Finn made that much more meaningful to me. Like I, I completely agree. It's a trope we've seen this story and this moral before, but... To me, it just seems like a really huge deal for Finn, of all characters, to realize that. Yeah. No, that's true. Hey, we'll have to see if it sticks. Most of the morals that he learns don't, but we'll see how it moves, how it moves him forward. Anyway, let's, yep. uh, let's do that. Let's see, let's, let's see that next week. Uh, next time on the podcast, we will watch episodes 17 and 18. We'll review those, and... Uh, I'll I'll keep uh, I'll keep a log of how I feel about the show, and we'll just uh, we'll see what these new episodes bring up. Whether it's taking us deep into our own fears or reminding us of horrifying sticky <laughs> substances that have been inside of our nostrils, and uh, and or or something completely different. Maybe it'll just make us forget everything that is going on in our lives. That's right. Maybe we'll just disappear into that sweet sweet land of ooh. All right. Well, we have been talking for nearly an hour now, so maybe we should let our listeners escape back to their lives. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Let me just say that I've been Pat. I've been Ben. And this has been Podventure Time. That's a heavy, unsettling thing to say. 